0: Good afternoon, everyone, this is Steve Janikowski. I'm joined by Christian Thwaites, our chief strategist. Uh, Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, As as always, this call will be relatively brief, about 20 minutes, and following the call, we'll have a replay available on the website. As usual, we'll go through, we'll begin with a high-level overview of the economy and the markets, and then we'll open it up for questions in the remaining time. Christian, do you wanna just go over the instructions on. asking questions yes so
1: when we open it up for questions just feel free to press star 9 so that's star 9 and that will open up your line and feel free to ask any any questions that you you might have again star 9 when we open it up to questions
0: great so what just want to do a really quick brief backdrop and then uh, kind of dive into uh, some meatier topics So uh, obviously we've seen a little bit of volatility in the markets, both here in the U.S., the bond and the equity markets, and the foreign markets uh, even more so. Uh, And the the Trump tax cuts and the euphoria that everyone had uh, based on strong corporate earnings growth and a strengthening economy seem to have been overshadowed by continuing concerns about tariffs, the Fed Reserve continues to raise interest rates. And then there has been weakness in the markets, especially foreign and uh, the emerging markets. So while we've been in a relatively benign and stable environment, uh, these past nine years since the recovery started in 2009, any volatility seems to catch people's attention. And and frankly, the markets are not down all that much. So uh, where are we in in the cycle? Well, we're, we're well into a long economic recovery that began in 2009. The underlying fundamentals are still encouraging. The U.S. economy continues to grow at a moderate and sustainable growth clip. While the Fed has continued to raise rates, it's still accommodative. Uh, What do I mean by that? Well, the Fed Fed funds rate is about the same rate of inflation, which means cost of money is about zero on a real basis, which is still very cheap uh, on a relative basis. And interest rates, even though they've moved up a bit, that may be because we've seen Some uh, signs that the Fed is maybe talking up growth and potential uh, inflation risks in the economy, but it's still a positive slope curve, which is a a good thing. The liquidity in the financial system is still very abundant. Inflation is still not a concern. And there are no signs of recession in the cars, at least for some time. Although there's been plenty of uh, uh, uncertainty about a game of chicken between the U.S. and China over tariffs, the trade issues appear to be more of a headwind right now than an unraveler of the economic cycle. But obviously, we're going to have to keep our our uh, eyes on that as that progresses. Christian, you want to kind of dive into uh, some of the meteor topics? Yeah. So, um, obviously, we've had, uh, like I
1: said, Steve, um, quite volatile markets. I mean, it just seems that October comes around, and uh, it always seems to be a good month of volatility, and this one's no exception. But just to... Recap on the title of the call on the midterm elections, and so we went back. There's been, you know, the last 80 years there's been 21 midterm elections. We we obviously ignored the presidential elections, and um, a, as you would expect, um, in most in most of these elections, uh, the it, it's very rare for the for the president's party to gain seats. There's only two times that's happened. There was one was in 1934, and the other one was uh, Bush too. So the normal, the average is for the president's, president's party to lose thirty in the House and four in the Senate. I don't think uh i don't know what the House numbers will be, it'll probably be in that range if they at all, but obviously no one's really expecting a Senate turnaround. So it's very normal to have this change of change of uh control. But when you look at uh what what did the stock market do, there's a couple of things that stand stand out. Although the month of October itself can be fairly volatile, what we did is we looked at the the numbers from October the 1st to February the 1st, uh, just to sort of, you know, give yourself a little bit of air and get out of the day-to-day volatility. And
0: you're talking about historical numbers. Historical numbers. We went all the way back to
1: Johnson's 66 midterms. And um, so that's about 13 of them. And in all but one case, and that was in 1978, the markets were up. So it does end up by some pretty big numbers, too. The last one, uh, Obama's 2010, was up 14%. Two of the before that were eight and four. Bush, uh, sorry, Clinton was up uh, 32%. So what that tells me is that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of short-term volatility but the, around the elections, but it tends to even itself out, and other sort of economic and fundamental factors are at play. I mean, if we went back and looked at each one of these, you'd probably say, well, the economic numbers and whatever was going on in the real economy or with interest rates or the global economy was far much of a bigger story. And I think that's what's happening this time around.
0: And and I've seen, Christian, I've looked at a lot of uh, the uh, statistics on how elections uh, impact markets, and it really depends on uh, which particular cycle you're looking at or which time period you're looking at. But um, it it doesn't seem to me that elections – Um, generally have a major impact on the market and that's a predictive uh, factor in terms of gauging where the market's going to go. I
1: think that's right. And, you know, there's an old stock market saw that you and I have probably seen many times is that uh, um, the stock stock markets don't mind a divided house and an executive uh, because sort of essentially nothing gets done. That means the known is already baked in. There are fewer unknowns. So there's nothing, uh, there's nothing particularly bad about having a split, a, a split, um, you
0: know, a split uh, a legislative, legislative. Actually, it seems thing. to me that the market tends to do best when you have a split, because <laughs> you <laughs> just have a split Congress. Yeah. Then we'll have government shutdowns and things to worry about. But right, right now,
1: it just seems like the bigger, the bigger story is the macro level at all. Maybe we can just talk about that quickly. So we've seen stocks, pretty volatile. Last week, we had uh, three 1% days, two ups and one down. Today's down again, again over 1%. And we've made this point before here and in the blog, and we talk about it a lot internally. These numbers are high by 2017 standards. They're not high by longer term standards. It's quite normal for the stock market to move around 1%. It just feels, it, it feels more prevalent and more worrisome because it hasn't happened in a while. But you know, this is this is what stock markets do, and we're not overly concerned, uh, you know, at this point.
0: I would say that well, we also we also look at different indicators like the VIX, which is a volatility index, and we look at fear indicators, we look at liquidity indicators, and and how much fear is applied in the markets with swap spreads and all sorts of technical jargon that we're not going to get into in this call. But everything's relatively benign. There really are no red flags out there right now.
1: That's right, and I think you know we're having a gangbusters earnings season. We all knew that was coming. I think it was, and so did the market about a year ago, and I think that explains a lot of the 2017 rise. They looked forward, saw this happening, saw the tax cuts and bid stocks up pretty high. So we're going to have another quarter where earnings, uh, S&P company earnings are going to be up in high teens, probably around about 19 or 20 percent. So the good news is that stocks are getting cheaper. Kind of Again, we look back and today we find that the the forward price earnings ratio of the S&P is the cheapest since 2015, and on small caps, the Russell 2000, which is not an index we use, but is a pretty widely followed Russell uh, small cap index, cheapest since 2014. So again, it's kind of what you'd expect. You know, right. stocks get a bit cheaper at this late at this stage of the cycle.
0: Well, you know, this is an interesting point, because corrections come in two ways. They either come by A decline in prices which is how most people view a correction they assume that prices are going to go down but they also come when the markets don't move very much but earnings go up dramatically and the valuations go down that's also a correction Yes. and that's what we're experiencing right now I think
1: so and um, the other thing is that there's plenty of bad news at any one time I mean we've still got the trade issues which are not sorted out and we've likely got the imposition of another 10% uh, of tariffs on the China trade coming in January. Uh, we've certainly got the elections. There's budget problems going on in Italy, which probably don't help the international side of it. We've got the Saudi Arabian uh, deal, which um, theoretically could put at risk a pretty major arms uh, arms deal. So all these things are kind of in the in play. But Steve, I think the biggest issue about the economy is right now is that we are seeing very gradual rolling over, it's nothing cataclysmic, but all of the housing indicators we wrote about last week right. seem to have peaked. P- purchases, starts, permits, refis, mortgage applications, existing homes all these are down a little bit, and the housing's not a bad indicator of where things are going.
0: Right, and then you talk to realtors um, that the uh, houses are sitting on the market longer, uh, there's more inventory, uh, and that tends to be the case when you Get, get to some of the peaks in real estate prices where people have been holding out, and they'll wait till they see prices either start to decline, and then all of a sudden you see a, a surge in in, uh, in inventory on the market. I think we're starting to see that now. So and prices, houses are not moving as quickly as they are before, but the economy still is is still moving along. So it, as much as it's maybe rolling over, it's not. We're not rolling into a recession.
1: No, I, I, I think everybody. We're, we're going to see the GDP number for the third quarter. Primarily one came up, come up on Friday. I mean, most expectations are that will be north of 3%, maybe as high as 3.5%, less than the second quarter, but we all knew that because the trade uh, trade deficit's widening out. So you're right, it's not going to go back to 2 anytime soon. Uh, it could just start to sort of, you know, kick down slowly. I mean, as we've always said this is a very slow, very lazy, very tough growth coming out of the recession, it was, nothing sparked off and came back quickly. And I think the only you know, recession we're going to have is going to be the same sort, fairly
0: shallow. Well, you're not, you're not in the Trump camp with the, uh, the growth expectations. So you've been always a skeptic about how quickly the economy is going to grow. Uh, probably a bit more of a skeptic than I have uh, in terms of economic growth. So where do you see growth now?
1: Well, I think uh, I think for the year it's going to come in at three percent, and you know, in post-recession we struggled to get a full year. We had quarters, but a full year of more than two percent. So clearly, it's been jogged up a little bit. But the problem, I think, is that you know, capacity hasn't kept up, and there's a limit to you know. We know the wage increases aren't strong. Uh, in fact, in real terms, they're just flat. Nominal terms are up a little bit. Uh, so Hence the to low inflation. Hence the low inflation. Consumers are not doing anything right. uh, big. Um, and uh, and and I just don't think that's just not the sort of capacity in the economy. There's a run at a four percent level, uh, you know, for very long. And I think a lot of purchases were brought forward
0: um, with
1: the with the tax cuts, particularly on the corporation tax
0: cuts. Well, a lot of the the money that's been used for for consumer spending has actually come out of savings. That's the problem. Because yeah. if you look at if you look at there was there was since 2009, investors have been in a fierce in a fear cycle, wanting to hold liquidity. So bank reserves were at really, really high levels. And we, we've started to see that come down more recently where the, the bank reserve uh, cash levels have been coming down.
1: Yeah, so I, I think um, we're seeing kind of this economic rollover. Um, again, probably not not too dire and not too cataclysmic, but definitely probably at part of its peak. At the same time, of course, the Fed has been talking up its rate cycle hikes. So you've got the, the economy weakening a little bit, but the Fed has been, if anything, a little bit more hawkish since its last... Meeting and every time one of these Fed governors makes a speech, like there was one another one today, uh, they talk about the economy doesn't need any help from the Fed anymore. So, I think what's happening is investors are seeing a little bit of a rollover, but the Fed's still hawkish, and that sort of puts into play a different bond equity dynamic.
0: Yeah, I think the Fed is trying to give itself maneuvering room when it's going to need it at some future date. So, they'd love to get the Fed funds rate up to a higher level because right now it's not, it's still accommodative, it's not even at a neutral position yet. And I think they're trying to talk up, the, even though they can't affect the yield curve, the Fed can only affect short-term rates. I think they've been trying to talk up the prospects for economic growth and inflation. And that's, I think, part of what we're seeing in the slight bump up in interest rates in the, in the yield curve. Nothing really dramatic at this point. It's still positive. It's still – money's still relatively cheap. We don't see any runaway sign, any sign that rates are going to go uh, way up on the upside. So uh, – I think they're just trying to give themselves some maneuvering room right now, And they, but but if you think about it, even though they're talking hawkish, they haven't really done anything dramatic. They've telegraphed all their moves. They don't want to surprise the market. There are no half-point rate increases. Everything's a measured quarter yeah. point here and there, and they, they, I think they judge it because they don't want to be – they want to make sure they're – they know the Fed's tendency to be behind the curve, so they don't really want to be behind, but they also want to be known for killing the economy either.
1: Yeah. And you've got to remind ourselves that even with the rate hike increases this year, the Fed Fund has no, never been this low with this level of unemployment. I mean, it, even going back to the late 60s, early 60s, where the economy was really on a, on a, on a tear. Um, they've never been this low so historically we're still low and the Fed knows that I think and uh, wants to get itself some maneuverability
0: Well, also we've never had a uh, budget deficit growth this this rapid in this stage of a this stage of, a, of the economic now, cycle You hit my <laughs> you hit
1: my trigger point there Steve because uh, you know there is we put a graph in the blog last week about uh, Just how high the deficit is and where it's going which is getting worse by the by the by the month um, and then the unemployment rate on the other axis, and you're right. absolutely right; these things should track each other, and in fact, they're going in totally opposite directions. Usually, you see
0: this coming out in a, to in a recession, Just to, yes. to get us out of a recession, but we're not even in a recession, and we've got the budget deficit growing. So that's a very, very unusual, very unusual. And if you haven't, if uh, everyone hasn't read the latest blog, Christine goes into a little bit, uh, quite a bit of detail about that in the last blog.
1: Before we turn it over to questions, Steve, maybe we should just talk a little bit about what's going on in emerging markets. So they've been clearly weak, um, uh, but a very volatile asset class. China, uh, there was some sort of systematic government buying, I think, in the last uh, 24 hours. So the strongest one-day gain is up 4% for the Chinese market yesterday. It's off a little bit today. Uh, and again, I think emerging markets are struggling with this uh, hike rate
0: rate hike cycle. The strong dollar, although that's ameliorated a little bit, and the trade talks. One one little positive, encouraging sign for the emerging markets, though, is Argentina, which has been a basket case. Their market's down about fifty-six percent so far this year. Their central bank has held to no growth in the money supply. Yeah, they, they've held to it so a so, while. Wow, so you've seen a huge surge in the value of their peso, and um, and you know we'll we'll see it, uh, see whether or not that they can hold to this for a while, because if they can. Uh, that uh, may mean the bottom of their market there.
1: Yeah. And as uh, many of our clients know, we put on protection notes for emerging markets so, so we can insulate a little, little bit from the volatility right. that's going on there. But uh, we are certainly continue to keep our eye on that one. So we have a few more minutes left, and we wanted to hand it over to questions. So if you do have a question, uh, feel free to, to hit star 9,
0: and we'll see it up here on the screen and then uh, open, up the, open up the lines. Seems like we, uh, we've either done a really good job or we've succeeded in baffling everybody. Because have no <laughs> question. <laughs> either that or it's been a very, very boring conference call.
1: <laughs> we'll have to come back to that. Okay, well, thank you very much for participating. This will be up on our, our, our web and our podcast uh, later on this week. Thank everybody for, for calling in. And if you have any further questions, feel free to email us. You know, all the uh, links and the numbers are on the, on the website. Thank you very much, everybody.
0: Thanks. Take care. And now, the disclosure. Please note the information provided in this presentation is for general
1: information purposes only. It should not be considered as an individualized recommendation or personalized investment advice. Investment strategies discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy his he or her own particular situation before making an investment decision or expressions of opinion on subjects change without notice from reacting to shifting markets
0: or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results is presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance.